I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Hornady Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Seth Swerzik. Joined today beside me, Company Vice President Jason Hornady, and across the table, former Hornady senior ballistic scientist and all things ballistics, Dave Emery. Guys, thanks for coming on the show today. And good friend. And yes. good friend. Yep. Yep. That is a, a, a good point and a good steward of the sport uh, mm-hmm. of, of shooting and design. Really, really, really good to be here with you guys today. Yeah. This has been extremely enjoyable for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you like what you've seen. It's oh my gosh, I'm blown away. I like I said, I I don't even know what to say. I <laughs> I see this versus what we did with what we did, and I'm just absolutely blown away. This yeah. is almost just staggering. You know, and it's funny. I I try to give tours, and so last week I was doing tours, and we've moved stuff so fast that literally. I, I didn't get lost. I knew where I was in the building. I didn't know how to get to where I was going because they had so much stuff in the way. So how long have you had what you have in this building now? I mean, because I noticed there's still some empty rooms. So we finished the half that you're sitting in in 2018. So that's when we did the big grand opening and mm-hmm. that whole deal. And we we had a couple things and one of them fell through a little bit, but um, we had a couple other things come up and it, it just became apparent that we're going to need more space. and um, we, our Lake City deal kind of imploded and a couple other things imploded. So we knew we were going to need more space. And so no time like the present. So this one, as you can see, is just, just being finished. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you committed, you put some space on this place. We put some space. So yeah, yeah it's, it's impressive. It just tickles me to death to see this yeah. place having this kind of, I, I never would have envisioned this, not, not. Even when scale. I retired, I never would have yeah. Well, in context, this. I mean, you didn't retire from Hornady all that long ago. What has it been, six years it's now? Five and a half years. Yeah, so oh, almost six like years. That, yeah. And almost six years ago, it <laughs> was a much different landscape for the the footprint of the physical Hornady manufacturing. Yep. Yeah. And we double. I think when I left, there were maybe two walls up out here, and that was... Right. Well, the reason I've got you guys here today, this discussion, is two product of ours that that have they were instrumental i think in in the success of hornady as a company not that we weren't successful before but they really solidified the brand as a key player in the law enforcement and the concealed carry ammunition and for example our critical defense in nine millimeter item number nine zero two five zero if i'm not mistaken that is skew numero uno for sales. That is number one. That and, is number one. And right behind it is the 380 SKU, which I can't remember the number. 90800. There you go. Wow. Uh, it's remarkable though that, that that is, you know, you look at cartridges like the 6.5 Creedmoor and even staples like 308 and 30.6 and that kind of stuff, that the 9mm critical defense is still our number one ammo SKU. And then when you look on the critical duty side, we're, for the second uh, iteration of this, the contract holder for the FBI service ammo with our critical duty. And, and what an honor that is. Both in nine millimeter and 40. And 40. So yeah. it wasn't an easy road to get here. And, and product innovations like that don't happen easy. So let's rewind the clocks a little bit. We have Dave, uh, the senior ballistic scientist for Hornady. We have uh, Jason, who at the time, probably when these ideas first started flowing for what became these products, not even employed at Hornady. Nope, not at all. 
So we have to go back into the 90s, Dave, to get to where you really started to look at, okay, how can we make a bullet consistently upset through barriers like heavy clothing? When did that all start? Well, I mean, we, we as a company had had our eye on the FBI contract since probably the late 90s. And uh, actually, when I was working here in high school and college is when we launched the XTP. Yep. 88 or something. 88. And that was an attempt to get the FBI contract because I stood behind the building and shot bullets, bullet after bullet into 55 gallon drums of water. Yep. Did you guys still, you still did that when, when you started, did you do that? No, we hadn't, that stopped probably right before I got here. Yeah. But that's when it kind of started, but then. Okay. So you have the XTP, which is a great bullet and it does a lot of things well. Uh, It is a traditional style jacketed hollow point and. When you start shooting it through barriers like heavy clothing, uh, you can get some inconsistent expansion. The, the XTP solved the problem of these thin skin pistol bullets that blew up on the FBI like they did down in the Miami thing. And it was the first bullet that fixed that. And it, 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 it was a good bullet, but it still it is like yeah. a lot of the hollow points. It did not exceed very much on heavy clothing. Yep. And it, didn't do tremendously great on glass either and you know the clothing thing was what was at the front of my mind back I I think the first time I ever started dabbling with this was in 1999 April of 1999 because I've got it in a had it in a file still it's probably in my old desk or somebody (laughs) filed it somewhere but I just got this wild idea one day of you know what if you put in a hollow point something that would fill it but kind of squishy you know, and, that's, and I went down to the local home, Menards, I think is where I went to, and got a tube of silicone bathtub caulk and filled the hollow point on a bunch of 45, 230s and let them cure for about a week and came back and shot them through heavy clothing. It's like, huh, that works pretty good. And then, you know, that, so. Ernst Wiley's also <clears throat> messing with the 17 HMR oh, yeah. and a couple other yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, small cartridges. So, Nobody's yeah. heard of those. And then we sort of got, yeah, diverted off on some of these other, those kind of mm-hmm. things. And it didn't go too far. And then I think in 94, Alan Lenz and I started kind of messing with it 2004, again. 2004, probably. Or, yeah, sorry. Yep. 2004, we started kind of messing with it again. And at that time, we were working with the hard Delrin tips. And it was like, yeah, this just. This just doesn't work. Yeah, filling it with a harder plastic. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then it kind of got shelved again for Lever Evolution. And then Lever Evolution was really, that was right about the time you came to work for the company. Because I think I was working on Lever Evolution in 2005 and six. You launched Lever Evolution the year before I started in 2005. Okay. So and it was, and it was two, I think it was 4570 and 3030, maybe 35 Remington first year. Yeah, 35 Remington, 3030, 4570, and 444. And yep. 450. You, well, 450 yeah. Yeah. yeah, you launched yep. those, and I started right the after the following that. April of yep. 06. And that was when we first, because that went back to, too, the whole premise of that was, can I figure out a way to get a pointier tubular magazine bullet with something that's got enough give to it that it won't set off a primer. And that's where we really got on the track of the materials that actually would work. And at that time, when I was doing Lever Evolution, the whole time in the back of my mind, it was, man, I want to put some of this kind of material in a pistol bullet and see what we get. And then when Jason got here, that really got to be the impetus for, okay, come on, we guys, we got to, we got to get an FBI bullet here. And we really started working on this in earnest. About six, I think. What was yeah. your 
What was your motivation for that, Jason? So when I started, my dad and I negotiated back and forth about me coming back to the company because you have to leave and, and be somewhere else and, and get some relevant experience before you're allowed to come back. And um, my dad and I started negotiating. And of course, Dave was a friend. All the, I was friends with everybody here. Right. Um, but when, I, when we interviewed and we agreed, my dad said, okay, I want you to do four things. I want you to fix our distributor program. I want you to fix Africa. And I want you to fix Scandinavia. And I want you to get an FBI contract. And Tall I think, order. And I think. <laughs> you want any fries with that? <laughs> I, I think he gave me that list of things because he, he just, in his head, there's no way you're going to do all that. And uh, surprisingly, we've fixed Africa like three times and Scandinavia three times. Um, distributor programs actually worked themselves out and, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't that big a deal, but the FBI contract was a pretty tall order. And Dave and I had gotten to be pretty good friends and uh, real good friends. And we had a string of successes. Lev Revolution was a huge success. Right. And then I'm trying to remember what else we had in it. Superformance was a Super huge performance success. Superformance in there and a, some individual cartridges here and there. Oh, and there was the Creedmoor. Six, yeah, five, 6 5 Creed, Creedmoor. What was it? Creedmoor? Yeah. I believe it was supposed to be called the 6.5 TC, if you want to be correct. Yeah. And you should have seen the look on their face when, when I told them we'd probably have to do that. And that's a whole other story. But <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget having a conversation with Dave about... At one point in time, they put a plastic tip. I thought it was a soft tip, but maybe it was a hard tip. It was a, a yellow hard tip. In a bullet for Thompson Center. And Dave and I started talking about that because I had been the Thompson Center rep. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Dave, we got to get this FBI contract. And I don't remember how it went exactly. You mentioned that we'd, you'd messed with these soft tips. And um, the, there's some, some of this is, and we've been as a company and as a group of peers, we've been very lucky in some of the things we've done. But Dave came back and he's like, we just can't get it to do all the barriers. It's great on heavy clothing. It's great on, you know, bare gelatin, but it's, it's not a barrier bullet. So we just, we, and I looked at him and I went, well, that might be perfect. And that is about the time. So this was in 2007, eight, yeah. cause we launched in nine. Um, that was about when concealed carry really took off. Well, yeah. you, I didn't know, but you did know that Ruger was coming out with the LCP that year. You know, I, I didn't know it at first. That's where we got lucky. But yep. what had oh, happened fortuitous is- Fortuitous timing. A Phil Martin from Cabela's called me one day and he's like, you guys need to make some 380. Oh, we do. And he goes, no, you need to make a lot more 380. And he gave me some sales numbers and I flipped through my, my list of what we were selling in 380s. And I was like, ooh, we are not selling anything. And that, it, it, yeah, that, that was where critical defense came from, right? Because really? I had been working with it on the FBI stuff, and the FBI kind of thing went in fits and spurts. It's like, yeah. okay, we're going to go try this and work on it for four to six months and make a little bit of progress and just not getting it. And then you'd get off on something else that, hey, we know we can do this. So we said, hey, let's put this material in a thinner skin bullet. And say, you know, sell these as strictly personal defense bullets that are not meant to go through 18 inches of stuff and they're going to defeat heavy clothing. And man, that's the ultimate defense bullet. And it was. And we went to the writer's round table and Ruger was there with their LCP. And we were there. Dick Metcalf gave us, I mean, perfect, perfect header when he said, this is critical for defense. And had the gun and everything. And it was... 
so much fun to sell all this because it was just like taking candy from a baby. Yeah. Yeah. We, we went there with gelatin and heavy clothing and Ruger had no, we didn't even take our own gun. I, I remember we, I don't think LCP we showed up and we showed up with ammo and sat there and shot this for these guys and everybody's jaws dropping like that. Can't believe you're shooting that little 380 through all that material and the thing's doing that well. It looked great. Yeah. And the, the funnier part, and so if we launched it in, we launched it 4.9, so it would have been fall of 08. So it would have had to have been spring of 08, and it was a miserable day outside. And and we were so busy at that time that frequently, well, we still do come in on Saturdays a lot, but I came in a lot of Saturdays, and very frequently Dave would show up on Saturdays. And one Saturday, Dave shows up in my office, and his wife was shopping, and he had no interest in shopping with her, which if she <laughs> listens to this, she might he might be in trouble for Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she knows. Yeah. <laughs> he sat down in my office. And he looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm sitting here working and drinking wine. And I said, you want some? And he said, yeah. So Kind of now, yeah. We, we started drinking wine and it went from serious work to, you know, the standard BS sessions that we all have and started talking about it. Dave, we got to come up with a name. And so we started kicking names around and I kept pouring Dave wine. Dave doesn't drink a whole lot of wine, so I got him. So he was smiling like that the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you only have one glass of wine if you keep it halfway yeah. full, yeah. And we started batting names around. And um, so at some point in time, and I, I'm not sure who said it. One of us did. but I'm pretty sure it was you. You know, Dave, how do we say something is critical for defense? And I think Dave looked back at me and goes, what'd you say? I said, shit, write it down on the board. Yeah. And, we, yep. and that was on his board for like a year, if yeah. I remember right. Down in uh, the right-hand corner, and it was in brown magic marker. It was. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that was where the name was born. Critical and defense. Neil yep. would always argue with both of us about who came up with the name. And we're like, no. You were there. Yeah. This it was how it happened. That's how it happened. Yeah, that's how it happened. And who would have thought that uh, some failed projects to defeat all of the FBI barriers, which is a, a pretty damn impressive uh, amount of, of barriers and penetration that you have to achieve. It's not an easy task. And who would have thought that some failed attempts at that would result in the ultimate in concealed carry home defense type type ammo um, and that bullet simply works it's not designed like you mentioned dave it's not designed to go 18 inches after it goes nope. through a car door it's designed to defeat heavy clothing for actual defense scenarios yeah no yep. we we said from the very get-go on this and that's how we're going to market it we do not intend this thing to be a deep penetrating bullet we intend this to not exit if you have to shoot somebody we don't want this bullet to exit right. so you have the added liability of that mm -hmm. yep. we want this to stay inside the target yep. yep or if you're in a house or if you're right. in whatever we don't yep. want it to go anywhere we yep. and and it was just the perfect timing because it was the ruger lcp the lcp and then there was the smith and wesson i'm trying to remember what the small smith is they got um, the mmp uh, shield and the shield like yeah, shields, yeah, shields yeah, and shield and even, we even made one for the Taurus judge a couple of years later um, that had a critical defense bullet in the front of it with two rounds oh, of buckshot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yep. Triple defense. Yep. Yeah. And that, that turned out again to be one of our number one selling SKUs with that nine millimeter. And it's now, it's, it's not just the bullet, obviously, Dave, that was an incredibly good design, but then you couple that with some low flash propellant, nickel plated cases. I mean, you've got a, a, a top end product from... Mm -hmm. We, we wanted to, to do the whole package from the get-go. You know, this is not, this is everything. I mean, this is the best you can get in ammo. And, yep. it, and it was one of our better coordinated. It was the first time that as a company, we kind of launched something that was big 
now. Instantly. It was big instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, 17H Mara was oh, yeah. also that way. But, you know, we had the 6.5 Creedmoor was a great launch, but albeit slow. Slow burn. Being slow burn. Yep. Some of the other super performance took off pretty good, but not, we went from, from not being in the pistol business to having Only hundreds of thousands more, of boxes yeah. on order. More than we could ever order yeah. or make. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a good problem to have. And it's not just, oh, it's a good problem to have because we can make it and sell it. It's a good problem to have because there are people that trust in the firearms that they carry for defense of their life or their family. They trust our ammunition and a bullet that you design. And that's, that's very rewarding. Yeah. And uh, it, yep. it feels good to provide that to people. Yeah. Well, the story doesn't end there because critical <laughs> defense, as awesome as critical defense is, it it took another turn and we're still chasing that FBI contract. Well, part of the problem was, and it's not a problem, when we started and we had conversations about this, we decided, you know what, we don't want to just outpoint other people in this FBI thing. We want to have a bullet that... Passes it, the FBI protocol. Period. Mm-hmm. It you know there's there's no playing the numbers game and the point game and all that. We, you know we want a bullet that's basically like nearly perfect performance is what yeah, we were after. That's right. And it, and prior to the duty bullet, when we would do XTP FBI protocols, I would stand there and hold my breath because sometimes it worked through glass and sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes yeah. it, it was just like. <sighs> so anyway, yeah. But and I mean glass was the big problem. I mean, I could get a, I had a bullet relatively soon, you know, after we got that, that the flex tip material that would pass, you know, the heavy clothing and light clothing and sheetrock and Deal. plywood and all that, it, they would pass it, but it would not reliably stay together and meet the, yeah. the glass requirements. But and man, the glass I, is difficult because it, it's a compound angle, yeah. 45 yeah. degrees and 15, yep, 15 degrees. Yep. And it still has to go 12 to 18 inches into gel after defeating the barrier. Yeah. And that's, that's a problem. And, you know, this goes back to, well, this ties in a little bit with, you know, the ELDX story that we said right out of the get-go, we are not going with a bonded bullet because the bonded bullets have a problem of, yeah, when they go through glass, they hang on to all of this stuff that's been mashed and torn up and everything else. And you have this huge frontal area and they won't. They'll underpenetrate. They, yeah. they won't go. For, so we're not going with a bonded bullet because we know that that doesn't work to what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And it, I can remember two, three, four times going up to Neil and Jason's office and crap, that didn't work, you know? And it's like, I was getting a little bit we, down. We'd have that happen every once in a while. And there were days when I guarantee you Dave left my office and, and the first word he said when he got in the hallway started with an M and ended with a G. And, <laughs> And uh, there were plenty of times when, um, well, it's just not going to work. And it's like, yes, it will, Dave. And it, and so then sometimes you'd have to be like, damn it, Dave, it's going to work. And no, it's not. And then there were other times when it was, Dave, you're way smarter than this bullet. I, oh, I guarantee yeah. you can make this work. And so you had yeah. to just kind of pick which way you're going to motivate Dave because yeah. he's not going to let me go work on any of this stuff because yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But, but yeah, we went back and forth on it a lot. Yeah, we did. It, that went on for... Probably the better part of a year. Wow. And I, I think it was, as I remember, it was literally one night lying in bed and I, you know, I woke up like two in the morning. It's like, hey, I wonder if I go try this. And I, of course, not going to say what we did here to get it to work. Sure. It's like, 
and it was it, it was a more of a technical engineering solution. I wonder if I go do this. And I went in that next day and went out to the press hopper and said, hey, adjust this and tweak that and turn that down a little bit more and make me about 10 of these things. And I about wet my pants because it's like, holy crap, this works. And I went running into Jason and Neil's office. I think I got it. I think I got it. Look at it. Here's five of them in a row right here that all passed glass. Yeah. And, you know, of course, there were a few more refinements and tweaks and all of it after that. But it was like, I think we got this. Yeah. Well, and then the concern was, can we manufacture it? Can we it? make it? Yeah, yep. can we make it? And we went back and forth on that for quite a while. Yep. And that's right about the time that, well, Jaden came in right after we launched it. In fact, he yeah. got here the day we presented it to writers because he was out there at the rifle range when we did that. Hmm. And one of his first projects with me was, was we went through this, I mean, with a fine tooth comb and we put all kinds of manufacturing requirements on this. These guys have to cut these bullets in half and they have to measure this and it has to be in this tolerance range. And we had to establish all of that stuff. And once we got that all done and, you know, kind of educated the operators on how to do it, I mean, these things just shot over and over and over again. Yeah. And the interesting part, and I'll back you up after I said that, but one of the interesting parts is now Dave's son, Kurt, does all the critical duty testings. Yeah. He run, he's in charge of that program and protocol to make sure the bullets are all right. But backing up a little bit, one of the funny things is we launched critical defense, resounding success. I mean, just mm -hmm. couldn't have gone better. And I'll never forget doing this to Dave because he, Dave was feeling pretty good too. Like we all were. Yeah. And I'm like, if we can do this, we can do the, do the FBI thing. And he was just like, <laughs> let me enjoy not, this for a moment. <laughs> can't we just, can't we just celebrate? And I'm like, no, we can do this. Yeah. And off he went. And the part that got, that was so incredibly frustrating about the first time we submitted that to the FBI, that was right after Newtown and you could not get, I mean, the powders were just non-existent and the powder we wanted to use in that, that I knew would pass their protocol for temperature sensitivity. We flat could not get it. Yeah, and that's saying so, something yeah. when. So I had to put something else in there and was it Scott Patterson or was it Buford? But anyway, they said. Oh man, you guys let the air out of our balloon so bad because we're sitting here like, holy cow, this is the highest scoring bullet we've ever seen by a hundred points. And then it didn't pass temperature sensitivity. It's like we couldn't get the powder. Well, and we didn't, we didn't really understand that part of the requirement. But the other thing is, is we weren't going to submit. If you remember, we, we'd finished the product. We had it. We were okay. starting to make it. And dad and I actually had several debates about whether we would take it oh boy that gets into a whole other story but whether we'd take it commercial or just law enforcement this also happens to be the same time we were launching zombie mm. but we sat in a room and we decided we had the right product and the fbi request had come out and we did a practice yeah so we well, did everything like we were going to su submit for the fbi thing mm -hmm. we had a consultant come in pretend like he was the fbi and at the end of the thing, he was like, you guys have done everything you're supposed to. Um, maybe you should consider submitting. Because we met all the deadlines. We, I mean, we pretended like we were submitting. And we all looked at each other and was like, He's right. Let, let's do it. Yeah. And we sent it off. And then we went to the debrief and we got, we got kicked yeah. out. And that's what Dave's yeah. talking about. We were in there and they were like, we're so glad to see you guys submit. And they went through the whole thing and we had the best scoring bullet they've ever seen. Yep. Wow. It just, it didn't pass 
the cold temperature sensitivity yeah. pressure went up over it went up like a thousand pounds over their yeah. maximum and we're like we knew that was probably going to happen because we could not get the yeah. powder we wanted well and i think there's two things there uh the first regarding the first submission and you said you had a consultant come in i don't think uh anybody on the outside quite understands the complexity that some of these submissions uh i mean the paperwork and the mm. timelines and what's required of you i mean that's it's oh yeah the accounting and a lot yeah a lot yeah. you know scheduling and, and all that, that kind of yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And your ability to procure and all that and then the other thing i wanted to mention was you know we're focused on the nine millimeter that's what the the contract was for you were able to apply this technology to nine millimeter 40 smith and wesson 10 millimeter 45 auto and then 357 sig 357 magnum and why that's important is through the terminal performance, the ogive length and the tip diameter becomes very important to control the performance. And the difference between 9mm and 45 auto, when you're talking about a 135 grain bullet to a 230 grain or 220, excuse me, grain bullet, mm -hmm. it's incredible. So to be able to take that same technology but manipulate it to get the exact same performance, because it doesn't matter if it's 9mm or 45 auto, it's going to pass the protocol and it's going to fall, you know, certainly between 12 and 18 inches, but yep. I mean, nine millimeter, it's going to go 15 inches plus or minus an inch every single time you shoot every it, time. every barrier. Yeah. I, I don't even flinch when people are doing FBI tests now. No, it, I just know. I, you just know what it's going to do. The, the other interesting part of that is we didn't get the nine millimeter, but that at that time, the FBI had not switched. They That's were still just, carrying- I forgot about that. You're they right. They were still carrying 40 Smith. So we actually, year, maybe two later, we actually won the 40 Smith FBI contract with critical mm -hmm. duty with critical duty. And the worst part about that was, it was like, Hey, by the way, you guys won the 40 Smith contract. Good job. Um, we're switching to nine millimeter. Like, oh, oh God. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's saying something though, because the switch to 40 Smith and Wesson was to enhance the terminal mm -hmm. performance characteristics. And because of the, the development as an industry, not just at Hornady, they are able to go back to nine millimeter, increase the shootability and the follow-up shots and the, the amount of you know, rounds on tap in a magazine because the terminal performance of the smaller cartridge was simply getting better. Well, I mean, and they, they finally accepted that too because what we told them was, is we said, hey, look, this nine millimeter loader is the best you're going to do because the sectional density of this bullet is so high, it's going to out-penetrate all these other bullets because yeah. it can get in there. It'll penetrate more. I remember that because I yep. was in our debrief meeting and they had been talking about the switch in the when we lost the first time. And the reason they all had nine millimeters, if I'm not mistaken, and not to put words in their mouth, but they had nine millimeters for people that were smaller statured and, yep. mm -hmm. and couldn't handle a 40. And so they had nines and, and different roles. But um, there was a lot of conversation about that at that time. Yep. Yeah. Well, they, they did switch to nine millimeter. And I transitioned into working uh, in the ballistics area the day we started to do our final testing to prepare the submission for the, for the contract. Mm -hmm. So I've, I got critical duty from a fire hose for about <laughs> three weeks. And, uh, that submission, we sent it off. Jaden, our senior ballistician, uh, he's always very reserved, very humble, but you could, you could just sense the air of confidence that he had, that there was, there was no doubt that and, this was going to win. And the day we got the announcement, I called Dave. Yep. That that was a we got it. that was a pretty special day. Yep, yeah, we got it. Yep, because he because he was a quitter. He quit on us. And yeah, 
<laughs> well, we mentioned this in a podcast where we kind of talked about Dave's career and tangential to this. I feel like uh, Dave going to New Mexico and doing what he did was the the literal cherry on top of a career in ballistics. Oh yeah, I, you know, and happy for him, and mm-hmm. and Dave liked to mess with stuff. And the <laughs> the smartest thing that my dad ever did is he finally figured out. Just leave that guy alone and let him go mess with stuff. Yeah, you know, we we talked about that this morning. That yeah. you know, your dad and I kind of had a cat and mouse game for probably mm-hmm. the first eight years or so. I worked here six years maybe, yep. and then it was after the seventeen HMR when I can remember the one day he said, "Okay, Emery, just let me know what you're doing. <laughs> okay, all I want to know is what you're doing, and you go do whatever you want to do. Just let me know what you're doing. Okay, it, Steve, I, I that's fine. And the funny part about that is. We've still had how many black ops operations? That oh yeah, yep. In, in yep. The, well, so you and I worked together for about six. Well, no, about ten years. Because you left in sixteen, seventeen, seventeen. Yeah, so eleven years. I can't think about how many black ops operations oh, yeah. we did. Yeah, we, well, it was always you know we got to get it to the point where we can actually tell him something concrete, mm-hmm. or he's just going to be no, we're not going to mess with that. You know what the problem is, Dave? Now they do that crap to me. I don't I mean, drama. Well, you're, yeah. you're, you're getting at higher and higher levels. I, so no, there's no, I, I'm not, I have not gotten a promotion since you left <laughs> and uh, my role has not changed, but I mean, I know people who've made seven PRC brass behind my back. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought you knew about it. Yeah. Bull hockey. <laughs> I was like, really? I mean, you guys are starting to treat me like my dad. Yeah. Well, seven PRCs moving a few rounds here and there. It's right now. doing fine, I guess. Uh, so uh, to go back to that that first submittal, I knew, uh, having known and worked closely with Jaden uh, on a personal level doing events and shooting competitions and stuff and becoming pretty good friends with him and knowing how humble he is, I could I could tell he, he was, you know, out front. He's, okay, you know, I'm just going to keep even keel, but inside I could, I could tell he was, Oof. he was confident. And as it, as it was, that was, I believe, the highest scoring pistol round that the as far FBI as ever I tested. knew that's what they told us that was the highest scoring round we've ever tested the other one that they talked about was on accuracy they talked oh, about yeah they yep. had never had a pistol bullet shoot that well accuracy wise yeah they showed ever. us some results and they said this stuff is more accurate than the match ammo we send our guys on competitions yeah. with they said we've wow. never seen a nine millimeter round this accurate yep. yeah and i i remember doing that first submission we were getting everything ready and we shot it uh, ransom rested. We had Lowell Hawthorne shoot a group offhand. Me and Jaden both shot some groups offhand at 25 yards, and we shot it from the fixture. And from the fixture, it was all in the same hole. It's it's a single hole. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable, and that's honestly a corollary. It it is a byproduct by nature of the manufacturing. When yep. you draw things out perfectly concentric in a, in the cup and core bullet world, and not being bonded, they just plain shoot. And and the cool thing is. One, we got a couple patents on the thing, which turned out to be really a good deal. Yeah. But the other thing that's cool is literally we could go to Dave or Jaden or one of these guys and say, you know what? We want this to be a little deeper in glass and a little shallower here. And they can literally move the tooling and move the bullet. They know what to do to make it do better here and different here. And we literally have told people, and sometimes we have a hard time convincing other government agencies, we, we've told them. Tell us what you want, make it, happen. and we will do it. And there's one big agency in particular that says, well, we're not going to tell you that because then you'll go make it do that exactly, and we don't want you to cheat. It's like, 
we're not cheating. We're doing it exactly. Yep. I mean, you say what is most important to you because each one has a little bit different. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> we can't meet your requirements if you don't tell us what they yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that first submission, I mean, they, the, once the FBI gets it, then there's all the other agencies that are buying off that contract. And that was supposed to be a five-year contract and it didn't last five years because nope. they, they, they tapped it out early and so submitted again for the next submission and won a second one. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's that, pretty confidence inspiring. I almost think to me, when I heard that you guys won it the second time, that was almost more satisfying to me because it's like, we came out with this bullet in 2011 mm-hmm. and this is now what, 11 years and nobody's been able to best this thing and they've been trying and right. nobody's been able to better this bullet. And mm-hmm. that, that's just pretty satisfying. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to get it again. Yeah. And I think the big thing here, the takeaway winning that second submission is the consistency. When you're at a, dem- a demo, a law enforcement demo, you don't have to hold your breath when you're going through nope. this barrier or that barrier. It's just utter confidence, and then you can shoot competitor bullets. And sometimes a competitor bullet looks pretty good, and yep. sometimes yep. that same bullet doesn't look so good. Well, I, I, I know when we were talking to a lot of law enforcement agencies originally, and I was going out and doing some of the you know, original demos, I, I told everybody, you know, there, there is no perfect bullet. There is no bullet, especially through glass, that you're going to get to perform 100% of the time. But what you're going to get with most other bullets is 60 to 80% of the time, maybe they'll work on glass. It's north of 90% of the time that you're going to get duty bullets to perform mm-hmm. on glass. And yeah. they're, 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 that's a pretty big separation. Yes, it is. And, the, and we had all kinds of arguments about what we should name it. What yeah, we I was going do. to bring that up. Critical Defense obviously took some red yeah. wine. What about Critical Duty? I think, it, I think Dave and I were doing the same thing. And I don't remember if we were drinking wine or we were talking about it, but it's like, well, this duty bullet, and how, how do you tie the two together? But you have to make sure that you understand that one is for full-size pistols and, and, and a, a duty situation, which I think that's, I think that's exactly what you said. Yeah. Well, this one's for concealed carry, and this one's more for duty. And like, critical duty, why not? Yeah. Well, it, it just seemed like a logical progression from yeah. where we started with critical defense. And I think it was Neil that, I, oh, you can't do that. You can't, you'll confuse people. It's like, well, we'll just have to educate him, Neil. That's your yeah. job. Yeah. And he, he still complains about it a little bit, but I think everybody's kind of got the gist now. I think they have. And I think Mm. putting defense in the name of the defensive, you know, geared ammunition just, I mean, makes it pretty, pretty simple. Now, what was the decision like, uh, to go back a little bit to 2011 to decide to take this ammo that, that took so long to develop and sell it to the commercial market (laughs) and not just hold it close for LE? Well, you're going to make me tell that story. So... That is when um, zombies and the Walking Dead were really popular. And my dad, every time we were having a new products meeting, he's like, I think we should do zombie ammo. Every one of us would just kind of shake our heads and, and rub our foreheads. So he and I are still having this argument about whether or not we're going to do duty commercial or duty law enforcement only. And the, part of the logic is, the law enforcement officers don't like, they like to have stuff that's just theirs. It wasn't, sure. and the, the commercial people all want stuff that law enforcement guys have. And, um, my dad's theory, which isn't always wrong, but you'll get more interest from law enforcement if it's something that you make exclusively for them. The problem was, and, and, and sometimes even today, we're still a small company in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And then we were much smaller, we're about a third the size less than a third the size we are now. Wow. And um, we didn't have a, a, a law enforcement 
program, we had a program and we didn't sell any, we didn't have a presence. Right. And so my argument was the only way we will get anybody's attention on this is if we take it commercial and it has to be successful commercially. And then you had everybody start, and I guess they weren't really bloggers at the time, but you had, I guess they were bloggers. I mean, people doing forums yeah. and reading all this stuff and yeah. shooting phone books and shooting jugs and, and you started getting the chatter and, and we started to get some traction. And um, so I went down to my dad's office and this was trying to remember exactly when it was. I, I don't have it, but on my way down to his office, Dave had been in my office just a little bit before and he knew I was going down to have the argument with my dad. And I was in, Renee and Neil were together. I think they were in offices next to each other. Must have been. I don't remember yeah, how that close. exactly worked. Yep. But I was standing there. I'm like, okay, I'm going in. I'm I'm going to. I'm going to go fight the fight to get duty commercial. And uh, Neil goes, whatever you do, don't agree to zombie. Don't agree to zombie. Don't agree to zombie. And Ray's like, yeah, don't. We're not doing that. And I went down and I had the conversation with my dad. And I lined it out just like we talked. You know, commercial. We don't have the presence. He looks at me and he says, good. I think you're right. If you want to do a commercial, I'm fine with it. As long as we do zombie. Oh, oh man. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, but here's the deal. We're not putting zombie in the catalog. It's going to be a separate launch because I don't want to mess with the real thing we have here, which is critical duty, which is going to be vastly superior. And he goes, I bet you sell more zombie ammo the first year than you do critical duty. And he was right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we discontinued it three years later. Yeah. We're still making critical duty. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting story and kind of a peek behind the curtain that nobody gets to see. Oh, mm-hmm. Gosh, the zombie stuff. He brought that up in a new products meeting and everybody's looking around at the table like each other's like, is he serious? Who would have thought that would have been hey, a We all kind of like got together because he, and then Steve got up and left the mill, the, the meeting. We all kind of said, okay, everybody just ignore him. Just, yeah, just, we're just, not, just, uh, just ignore it. And it, and it got ignored for about two months and then it was like, so how's that zombie ammo coming? Oh, uh, you were serious about that? Yeah, I was serious about that. And- <laughs> And so then it was, okay, but we're going to, and we had fun with it. We did have fun. Oh, yeah. So we announced it on the day the Walking Dead premiere started, and then we started shipping it on Halloween. Oh, gosh. And so, I mean, we we hammed it up. Yep. And we sold, I think, the first order that came in was for like 20,000 boxes. And I just, my jaw dropped. 20,000 boxes to 25. Oh, yeah. And and it was like, holy smokes. And and, uh, we were in a presentation with Cabela's and I'm going through all the new stuff and and that year 2012 because we had something else critical duty we had something else we did Superformance was pretty new Superformance was pretty new I don't remember what else it was we had that year but I it was like either. we had this stable of new stuff and so I went through the whole presentation with all these Cabela's guys and they always liked coming to those new product meetings because we always had a lot of new stuff and I got to the last slide and I go okay guys here's one and I I even told my dad before I left, I go, they're never going to buy that. I hit zombie ammo and we'd had a teaser built, which was a kick-ass teaser. Yeah, teaser was was kick-ass. And, and that was fun when you could do some really fun stuff. Yeah. I think that's on YouTube. If I, I'm pretty sure it is. You go back into 2011 or 12 Hornady YouTube channel, the teaser and the, and then, then we did the, the long video. And in fact, Neil sent out the teaser a week or two before we launched. Oh yeah. We and had people went, here that we got a makeup artist that came and we, yeah, yep. I remember that now. And it went yep. viral and, um, it was crazy and, uh, we started selling it and it was just like, holy 
smoke. Oh, so finishing my story as yeah. I bounce around. I get to that slide, the last slide of the presentation. The Cabela's guys see that teaser, and then they see the ammo in the box, which was cartoonish. They were like, we're in. We'll take it all. Like, of all the things we've talked about, all the serious stuff, here's Critical Duty, which, I mean, in my mind, it's like I know I have the racehorse that's yep. going to win the race, and they want to look at the pony playing with the goat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> People uh, like ponies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was a, a, a unique launch and a unique product for the time. Mm-hmm. And like you'd mentioned, you know, in, uh, culturally with The Walking Dead and there was TV shows and spinoffs on that. And Three Gun at the time was wildly popular all over the country. Just kind of made made sense. It did. And, and the whole thing is, and uh, I'm sure you guys have talked about this before, but we sell fun. You know, yes, we do. Yeah. If, if we can't have fun while we're, while we're selling fun, I mean, what's the point of doing all this stuff? And yep. we had a lot of fun. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah. That was about a 10, 12 year period there where, boy, we just it get, was, get it out of the park almost everything. It's got to feel like Barry Bonds, you know, and he's just bombing home runs. Every time yep. he steps up to the plate, it just feels yep. like, yep. that's yeah. remarkable. And it's still boggles my mind that every year we seem to come up with something that's just yeah. new and different and i mean the last thing that we worked on with when dave was there that i recall was elds and ford off and and yep and look at look at how that's gone which yeah. is changed more, the industry changed the industry morphed yep. into a tips you were were you here for a tips i had you, i had started working on the a tip yep. concept and Jaden and i had done enough testing yep, to know that's that, right hey this works here this is what you're going to want to do mm-hmm. and that was pretty much the last thing that i worked on yeah but it's just been a fun run it has <laughs> been a fun run and and very satisfying in regard to critical defense critical duty the first I mean, good chunk of my career at hornady was answering the phone in technical service and after that i moved over to ballistics and and did a lot of testing on critical duty especially after we got the contract and in both positions i spoke to many people that unfortunately used those products and reached out to say thank you yes because they went home that day yep and that if that doesn't humble you and make what you're doing real i don't know what will yep and some of the, some of that feedback it does it makes you feel like you did something really good yeah you did something worthwhile mm-hmm. yep and i know from uh you mentioned uh kurt dave's son in charge of that critical duty uh testing and that's the bullets that's the loaded ammo on both sides of it throughout the whole production run, among many other things. But that portion of the of the job, and then Derek out there that runs the bullet area that makes those bullets. I can tell you, everybody in that chain takes what they're doing very seriously. Yep. And I think from the consumer level and the listener, uh, we don't just have bullet presses and anybody and everybody just runs these presses uh, in regard to critical duty specifically. There is a very small handful of very skilled operators that run that bullet. Here's another fun fact for you, which will shock you if you walk over there. But guess who's making bullets in critical the critical duty cell right now? You'll, now, you'll probably not guess this. You one. probably won't, because you won't believe how big he is. But Alex Hornady is making critical duty bullets as we really? speak. His shift ends in an hour. Well, yeah. so he's, I'll have to go try and find you. Tomorrow. Yeah. He's got one of the best operators in the building with Derek. Yeah. Last, the ropes. last time I saw him, he was about that big. Yeah, he's he's uh, taller than you two. now. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Yep. But it's kind of fun to to be out there and watch him doing it and have yeah. him come up to my office and mutter about 
oh, we had to punch the, you know. Yeah. Well, and is, is he in college now? Yeah, he's in college. Oh, okay. So. No, okay. For the summer, good, shift good. starts yeah. at 5 a.m. And he, he'll come over every night, but he's like, I got to go to bed, dad. I got to be in bed by eight. So that's a good way to keep him out of trouble too. That is true. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Well, hopefully he feels the weight of what he's doing. You know, it's, you know, making bullets at five in the morning is kind of tough, but there are people that are going to depend on product that he made. Yep. Well, and he, he worked with Kurt and a bunch of the guys in the lab the previous two summers. And so he's been the whole way through all the testing. He's got it down then. He understands. Well, Dave, for all the hard work you did and for, all the people listening that carry critical defense in their concealed pistol, like I do right now, and for all the law enforcement and military folks and, and the civilians that are carrying critical duty, a big thank you and, and to Jace for letting you guys just figure it out and make well, cool products. You know, and it's, everybody always thanks me for a lot of this stuff, and it, it wasn't just me. I mean, everything that was done at Hornady was Takes a, a team, and yep. it, 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 it took everybody. I yep. mean, we relied on the press operators to you know, how can we make this? You know, what's the best way to make this? How can you guys make this? You know, it, the tool it, room. Yeah, the tool <laughs> room. I mean, it, it, it was a team effort. And yeah. it's, it was part of a learning process for me because coming here, I'd been involved in R&D my whole career, which really played into what Hornady did, but I'd never been in a production environment before. And it was a learning process for me to realize, but you know, you have to pull together a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of disciplines to get from an idea and a concept to actually having a piece of hardware to hold in your hand that you can then go make millions of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a process and it's a team. Making it manufacturable, but yeah. Yeah. Well, here's something you haven't heard for a while. Love you, Dave. Love you, Jace. Yeah. You guys were awesome to me and I, I'm Hornady till the day I die. We used to say that every time we'd hit one out of the park. Love you, Dave. Love you, Jace. <laughs> Yep. Well, you guys did hit a few out of the yep. park. Yep. We we had quite a run, and that run's still continuing. Yeah, it's, you left it in good hands, Dave. There's there's good people well, in good places doing good God, things. All these little kids running around, it drives me nuts. <laughs> Have you met some of them? I mean, well, look you, at look at them. How do you think I feel? I was <laughs> eligible for Medicare two months ago, <laughs> and it's like, when did this happen? I don't know. And and, I, and, I, and now I am starting to feel old because I come in here. And it's like, is that person even sixteen? Oh, you know, yeah. and it's like. Good grief. We were at a match last weekend, and of course, they're all scampering up the mountain, and I'm slugging my stuff. Then you start listening to these sidebar conversations. He's like 12. How do you learn all that stuff so fast? Yeah. But. Well, it, it's very, very satisfying to me to see now that, you know, they're at Hornady, and Hornady is at this point in time, I think, a culture of innovation, new products, and and, you know, doing things that are outside the box that improve products and give people better things to shoot in what they want. Oh, well, we got some other stuff to show you before you leave. Okay. Yeah. That innovation hasn't stopped and it, a lot of it comes from the top down in the management style. We've talked about this on various podcasts, but you have people in the R and D and then, and people just not in R and D at all, but are still passionate users. And then you have a management style, which is if you're convicted and you've got a good idea and it, and it's going to hold water, well, Go flush it out and see see what happens, and and yep. you end up with home run products like six five Creedmoor and yeah you know, the PRC line of cartridges and stuff yep. like that. Uh, the six five Creedmoor, I I don't know if you can call that a home run. It ended up being a home run, but it was like base hit, base hit, base hit, base hit every time yep. you went to a game. Yeah, and pretty soon it, you, you were the all time uh, scoring leader. You know, and yeah. 
Well, the, the part that where that really took off was was it was starting to get traction as a match cartridge, mm-hmm. and it was starting to get a little bit of visibility. And then I think I walked into your office one day and said, you know, this thing would really make an incredibly good hunting cartridge. Yeah. Well, okay, let's try it. Oh, and, Precision Hunter changed and, the landscape right there. Yeah, and yep. I think within the first year of starting off with the hunting loads, man, that thing took off. And again, <laughs> timing was great because we did... Precision Hunter, which is all part of the ELDM, ELDX story. But the other part of that was that's about the time Ruger did the um, their long-range match rifle, which... What, oh, the RPR. The Ruger RPR. RPR. Yep. I mean, that timing. Yep. And I remember when they launched it because $1,200. And a $1,200 rifle at that time, everybody was racing at the 299 to 499 range. And I was like, oh, that's not going to work. And we put it, they put it in Creedmoor. And... Yep. And it worked. It, and then Precision Hunter came along, and that one changed changed, changed the yep. game. Well, it did. We did, uh, yeah, between Dave and the village of people here, changed yep. the game quite a bit. And I'm going to shift gears, Jace, uh, out of left field here. Mm. Uh, we've been asking this to most people on the podcast, <laughs> and uh, so you're just going to get a shot out of a cannon. Hypothetical, and hypothetical only, if you had to choose one cartridge and one bullet, Oh. But could have unlimited ammo and unlimited firearms for the rest of your life for the type of shooting and stuff and hunting that you do. What do you think you'd pick? <laughs> Why you got to do that? And I already have unlimited ammo. That That's true. <laughs> yeah. But if you had to choose the uh, one cartridge and bullet, what, what, what do you think you'd choose? And I have to use it for everything. Yep. Everything? I mean, in this hypothetical, in this but hypothetical? you could have a 20 pound match rifle and a six pound mountain gun and a 10 pound field rifle. You could do whatever you want, but the, you know, the thing about I'm 53 years old and I'm starting to not like recoil a whole lot. So yeah, I can relate. I, um, if it was one and it isn't that great for a match, but if you're putting the, all the hunting constrictions in there too, uh, the six, five PRC is pretty tough to beat. Yeah. And I can't disagree with that. I mean. 143 ELDX. 143 ELDX, and I watched my daughter stomp an eland with it, and I've watched people kill elk with it. I've watched them do that with 6.5 Creedmoor, too, which I, if it weren't for some of that heavier game, I would even say 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah. And I watched some guys with a 6 arc last week shooting that match, oh, and the yeah. gun goes, I mean, it's no air movement. guns. Air guns move more than the 6 arc and some of these bolt guns, and like, hmm. But I didn't answer your question. I kind of straddled the fence with, yeah. I think I rattled out three, but yeah. it's um, it's hard to beat a PRC. Yep. 6.5 PRC with 143 ELDX is so capable. He really wanted me to say the 7 PRC. No, I knew really you wanted wouldn't. To. Yeah. I knew you wouldn't. I, I, I would. And at this match last weekend, one of the guys who placed very high and won several of the stages shot a 7 PRC. Yeah. That's it's shooting 180s probably at he the speed He was shooting 180s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that gun had to weigh. I don't know what it weighed. A lot. Yeah. Well, all of them weigh a lot now, whether well, it's a true. six arc or a seven PRC. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like your answer. And when I answered that question, that was one of my contenders. What'd he say? What do you think he said? Six, five Creedmoor. Did yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. With the same 143. You know, well, the one, I'm kind of disappointed in you, Dave. I thought you might've said 3030 since that uh, lever well. evolution, baby. And he likes lever guns. But yeah. the whole recoil thing and steel butt plates, and it's like, these are starting to just get a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I get more recoil sensitive as I get older, too. Now, the gun in my gun room, if I'm grabbing a gun for the weekend to go out and 
could be a deer, could be whatever. I will grab my 1894 lever gun in 44 mag. Yeah. Cause you take everything with you. You got nine in the tube. You, if, right. If you haven't done it by nine rounds, you're probably not gonna. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's short and compact. So yeah, I mean, there, I really straddled the fence. I went all yeah. the way around the field on the fence. Well, you're allowed to do that because you do kind of have unlimited ammunition. <laughs> so I really or, don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dave, they made me shoot a tips at this match last weekend. I'm like, please guys. You're don't wasting, waste them on You're yeah. wasting really yeah. good bullets on a really bad shooter. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I see. I saw some footage of you from the weekend, and there was a lot of impacts going on. That was only on Saturday. Oh. Friday, you wouldn't have seen. Was I'm the wind sh- up on set on Friday? I don't know if I hit anything. Oh, I'm gosh. Sure. Well, that's that's great to know. And the 6.5 PRC, good answer. Uh, can't go wrong with it. There's no wrong answers, but. that that It'd be the Creedmoor or the PRC. It's hard to. Hard to. I mean, it's yeah. a. Yeah. Yep. It's a little bit of speed. And the, you know, the other part that's kind of fun about that question is you've asked it of everybody who's been on the podcast and, and a lot who haven't, mm-hmm. but I don't remember how many people were at the match last weekend, you know, 12, we had a, a customer in yesterday who had talked to a bunch of our guys. And he was, he, he said, he goes, so what do you guys have to do to shoot a match? And I think the answer was get ready. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't have to ask your boss. You don't have to, it, no, I mean, people want to shoot around here again. We sell fun. Means we yeah. want everybody to participate, and, yeah. and it's helped us come up with some new product. It has. Yeah. I think being passionate end users, and I'm going to air quote competitors because not many of us are super competitive about it, but uh, it's really led to a lot of product innovation. Yeah, yeah. It, it has. We were we were users. We knew what worked, what didn't. We were passionate about it, and it's like, in my case, a lot of it was, why are we still doing stuff this way? Yeah. Well, that's because the way we've always done it. Well, that's a dumb reason. That's There's dumb better reason, ways yeah. to do this. And I had no interest ever in shooting a 30-30 until Dave came up, Dave and the team came up with Lever Evolution, and then it was, hey, this is kind of fun. Yes, yeah. it is. I actually yep. just got one of the new Marlins now that Ruger owns them, mm-hmm. uh, the three thirty six and thirty thirty. Did you? Yeah, it's it my first Lever action. I have heard those shoot pretty well. It I can uh, verify with the, I haven't shot it with the iron sights. We had it on a media event here recently, but put a Leupold VX5 1-5 to on there, crank it up to 5 power, shoot inch three at a hundred yards with uh that was american whitetail and call her good pretty, pretty hard Can't to ask beat. more than that yeah that's pretty hard to beat yeah uh, probably more deer been shot with a 30 30 than anything oh, yeah. else out there yep i so. would bet that's the case other than maybe 44 40 but that's because it had a, <laughs> a <laughs> longer run about yeah. a 30 year head start on it yeah half a <laughs> decade almost awesome was there anything you know regarding critical duty or critical defense that you guys want to leave the listener with or that you might have forgot to say previous Mm. No, no. I think we pretty well covered it. It's a whole lot of fun to go back and remember all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Amazing what you can do with names when you have a half a bottle of wine in your. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I probably won't ever forget that Saturday afternoon. Yep. It yep. was it was a miserable day outside. It was wintry. It was cold. Mm-hmm. I, and I remember I, my wife was looking. I got back in the car and I said, "Well, I think you're driving home." <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> well, Maybe. Jason was there, and we kind of had a, I guess you'd call it a working session. <laughs> yeah. That's right. She I said, guess that's what how much did you it. have to drink? I don't know. He just kept <laughs> filling my glass. One glass of wine. <laughs> one, yeah. yep. one glass. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for uh, coming on the show and for, for talking all things critical duty, critical defense, and for giving our listener and me included just kind of a peek behind the curtain of how things were on the development side, you know, those years ago. Yeah. Total pleasure. Awesome. Yep. Fun. Thanks, Dave. Yep. Thanks, guys.
Everybody, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast about critical defense and critical duty. It's the premier ammunition, whether you're looking for something for concealed carry or something for that law enforcement or that duty style bullet. Um, both options outstanding, available on the commercial market as well. If you have any questions, if you have comments, please email us at podcast at hornady.com or drop a comment here on the YouTube. We hope you enjoyed it. Catch you on the next one.